Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 23 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels from Sandusky, Ohio, and I'm thrilled that you're tuning in for this episode. If you've been listening to the podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you'd share a link with your friends. You can find links to the show in the show notes, so they can simply find it by putting A Yank on the Footy into their favorite search engine. I'm finding myself a little tardy in releasing this episode, as this week I've been somewhat in the process of downsizing. Now, some people downsize and leave their homes, that type of thing, but I'm downsizing my gardens. I've decided that it's time to have a little bit less garden to deal with, so I spent the last week digging up about a 70-square-foot section of garden digging through all the perennials, making sure I get all of the root systems out of there, and turning that back into a chunk of land that could be seeded for grass, which I got done day before yesterday. So lots of digging going on. And uh, unfortunately, here in Ohio, we're finding ourselves in uh, in a rather interesting situation because as as those of you listening in Australia are finding out, you're you're heading on into the fall months, but we're roughly a month away from the beginning of summer. And, uh, well, Friday afternoon, as I was watering my newly planted grass seed, I was being pelted by snowflakes on May the 8th. Now, I know it's Mother's Day weekend this weekend, and I wish my mom and my mother-in-law and all of the moms out there the very best on this day. But Mother Nature, don't be expecting a phone call from me because you're not going to get it. Now, as I jump into this episode, I got up this morning and heard some rumblings that there was an announcement uh, where the the head of the AFL, Gil McLaughlin, is cautiously optimistic that we might have footy going again by June the 11th. Now, that's fantastic. I hope that's the case, but I hope that they also ensure that they consider every aspect to ensure the safety of and the health of the the athletes, the coaching staff, the other people that are working alongside them, the trainers, the doctors, that sort of thing. Because we certainly don't want to see the rise of a uh, another positive test with the, pl- with the player or players because that most assuredly will shut things back down again. Now in this episode, I decided I wanted to look at some of the issues that were presented on a... Uh, Fox Footy podcast from a couple of weeks ago while I was, you know, and I listened to it actually this earlier this week as I was working in my garden and David King and Lee Montagna and Nick Del Santo were discussing uh, what's going to happen after COVID-19. What is, what's the future going to look like? And they were all discussing ideas on how to make the game more exciting, to make it more accessible, that type of thing. The bottom line was revenue. It was money. Wanting to generate as much money as possible because the league has been so heavily impacted this year. Now, Lee Montagna had a proposition where he said that we should just uh, scrap preseason games. Teams have been scheduling unofficial preseason games on their own. I remember that Collingwood went down and uh, and went ahead and played um, a practice match unofficially down at... Uh, Cardinia Park, if I'm not mistaken, little cat's joke here, but I'm sure they had to send uh, directions for Collingwood on how to find their way to Geelong. Okay, I digressed there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, 
he, he proposed then expanding the season to 24 or 25 regular season games. Meaningful games, which would then draw more fans, would draw more supporters to games, therefore generating more money. A great idea. More footy, the better. The drawback to this, though, is that a lot of those Marsh Community Series games take place in smaller communities, in ovals, in smaller towns, that type of thing, and help to actually generate some revenue in those communities as well. So that'd be a bit of a trade-off there. Now, David King had an interesting proposition. This is one that I thought was a little outside the box, and I'm kind of glad he brought it up. He proposed that the teams that tend to draw more fans, and he mentioned, uh, I believe, Richmond, Collingwood, Hawthorne, I think Essendon was another one that he mentioned, that these clubs should all be playing one another three times a year, staying within the 22 games. Now, I guess he would have been okay maybe if they'd expanded to the 24 or 25 that Lee Montaigne had discussed, but he said, you know, you're still playing every club once, so you're playing the other 17 teams one time. You've got five remaining games. So several of those remaining games should be against clubs that are going to help to draw pretty heavily and, as we tend to say it here in the States, to put butts in the seats. King was arguing that the league needed to hunt for crowds. They needed to do what they can to get more people to come to games or to watch on television. And if a club is not drawing a lot of supporters, sure, people may be watching on television, but there's not that revenue being generated at the stadium or at the grounds where the game is being played. So it's not completely uh, an idea that's all that different from a lot of other businesses where you're trying to maximize revenue. Okay, and the thought process here, and they alluded to this a little bit, was that you know those teams would be able to, to hold on to a lot of that money, but then some of it would then be distributed to other clubs to help strengthen the league overall. Okay, so again, you know the league is you know he was arguing that the league needed to kind of figure out a way to get more people into the seats. Okay, and again, this also can help with advertising if you have more high ticket or high highly desired games and people are going to want to watch Richmond and Collingwood people are going to want to watch Essendon and Hawthorne play one another you know I'm I'm thinking that the Gold Coast Suns are heading in the right direction but if it's a uh, if it's a Richmond Gold Coast game the Richmond supporters are probably going to watch but is the fan base in Gold Coast large enough that's going to warrant you know, them possibly playing a second round against them. Okay. And, uh, you know, there were some other discussions. Um, as I was saying, some of the other ideas were proposing the possibility of having Thursday night games permanently be on the schedule to allow for a maximum number of games to be aired individually so you did not have nearly as many games overlapping on a Saturday or a Sunday. Um, so I, I think that was, that those, these are some all great ideas in order to try to generate more revenue, to get more interest. Oh, I, I failed to mention one of the other clubs that they were mentioning besides Richmond, Collingwood, Hawthorne, and Essendon was, they were mentioning Geelong as well. And the possibility of having them be kind of the, the five teams that were playing one another quite a bit. You know, there was also, there was also discussion during this episode about possibly expanding the the teams that made the finals going down to all the way to number 10 
and restructuring the way that the finals work, which as an American fan, I really like the way that the finals work in the AFL with one, one and four and two and three playing one another, then the loser getting that double chance. I really like that. I think that's a, a very interesting way of going about doing this. But I think you can understand the argument that if you were to expand and add two more teams, that's going to allow for several more games, therefore more revenue for the league. So, And this doesn't necessarily have to be a permanent thing. And the way they were discussing this, I don't think this was intended to be a permanent solution to this, but this was just to try to help to stabilize the league and get them back to where they are financially more functional, if you will, to make, you know, make sure that the league is stable, to make sure that the league is, is able to go forward and to go ahead and function as the, the, the entity that it happens to be. So what I wanted to do in this episode is I wanted to, to talk to you about some of the ideas that, maybe could be adopted from things that happen here in North America. And no, I'm not trying to be an arrogant American that thinks that I know everything because I just have to, you know, put you in touch with my wife and kids and, and they'll be the first ones to tell you that I don't know much of anything. Um, happy Mother's Day, honey. I love you. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I wanted to go ahead and toss out some proposals for things that maybe the AFL had not thought about but could possibly do, which could help to bring in even more revenue. And I'm not even referring to right now things that are happening during the regular season. I'm talking about things that are happening during the week of grand finals, of the week of the grand final. Okay. Here in the United States and in North America, you know, the four major sports leagues here, you've got Major League Baseball, the NBA, the National Hockey League, and then you have the NFL as well. All of them have an all-star game of some sort, okay? The NFL has what's called the Pro Bowl, and the Pro Bowl always happens the Sunday before the Super Bowl because there's always a two-week break between the the conference championships and the Super Bowl. For a time period, they did cut it down to one week, but they've now moved it back to two weeks. It allows for hours and hours of content on television to talk about the games and interview everybody and their brother and, you know, find the kid who sat beside, um, you know, the star quarterback in the second grade and find out whether or not they ate glue because they, they, they talk about so many obscure and crazy things during these interviews and such because they have a lot of airtime to fill. So, again, this is not to say that the sports here in the United States or in Canada do things correctly, but they do things a little bit differently. And I kind of wanted to piggyback off of what uh, Mr. Del Santo, Mr. Montaigne, Mr. King were talking about in this podcast a couple of weeks ago. In Major League Baseball, and the, I'm going to provide links in the show notes to the most recent of all of these competitions. In Major League Baseball, they... Uh, they rotate the all-star game every year this past year in 2019 it was in cleveland ohio which is about an hour away from where i live and there were all sorts of different events that went on within the community uh major league baseball was helping with um funding renovations of local ballparks and that sort of thing where where younger children play kind of like the Auskick type situation 
but then they had things like a junior home run derby where they brought high school age players into the um it's now called progressive field but it, it's always going to be jacob's field to me um but they they brought these players in to take you know batting practice if you will to see who could win this competition to hit the most home runs in the stadium they have a celebrity softball game where they have people who are fans of baseball who you know movie stars singers that type of thing who come and play a, a softball game at the stadium on on one of the evenings usually the monday night before the all-star game which is usually on a tuesday you have the home run derby which is a huge event on that Monday night where you have maybe 10 of the most prodigious home run hitters in baseball trying to hit as many possible home runs as they can. And the stadium every year, it's filled to capacity. There's 40, 45, 50,000 people in the stands to watch nothing more than people hitting home runs. They also have what's called a futures game where they bring in some of the young players who are playing still in minor league baseball, kind of the equivalent to the VFL, if you will, who have not made it to the senior list, to the major leagues. Uh, they kind of pick the one or two best from each club, and they come and play in this game to kind of show off their talent, their skill set in the big league ballpark, in the major league ballpark. And this is a rousing success. It's a huge success. It's a great moneymaker for the league. All kinds of advertising. Lots of people watch this game. You know, then they have the game itself, where you have roughly sixty of the best players playing in this game. And what's interesting is that they, and I'm going to get into this a little bit later on in the episode, is how they go about deciding on who's going to play in the game, because this is something that I don't believe happens in the AFL. And if I'm wrong on this, please let me know, because I, I think that this doesn't happen when it came to like the state of origin game that just happened recently. Now the national basketball association, they have several things that they do. They have a, uh, the three point shooting competition. All right. Which I'm sure if you're a basketball fan, you've probably seen this before where they've got, you know, the five basketballs at each point around the three ring around the three point line. And they have, you know, the orange, typical orange basketballs and then the red, white, and blue. And which is for, I think double points or five points, something like that. There's also the slam dunk competition, which is a huge event, a huge event in which, you know, we've, we've seen people, you know, jumping over automobiles and jumping over people, you know, just amazing, you know, skills of athleticism that, uh, that most people could never even think of attaining. It's very, it's very enjoyable to watch. And then they also have a celebrity basketball game where they have people who are fans of the NBA, that type of thing, who will go out and will play a game on the court where they're going to be having the All-Star game, usually the day beforehand. I think it's usually this, if the All-Star game is on a Sunday, that'll usually happen on a, on a Friday or Saturday. Now, the NHL, the National Hockey League, they have a whole number of different things that they do. And the National Hockey League has some things that I think kind of in a way, translate to some of the things that the AFL could possibly do, which I'm going to get into. Uh, they have a competition, who's the fastest skater? You know, who can who can maneuver the, their way around the ice the most quickly? They have goal shooting accuracy, you know, shooting at the goal with the puck from different spots on the ice to find out who's the most, the most accurate scorer. 
you have the hardest shot competition. Who can hit the puck the hardest? And if I read it correctly, there was somebody last year that 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 uh, shot the puck at over 106 miles an hour. And then they have what's called the shooting stars accuracy. And I had not heard of this one before because I, I don't watch a lot of hockey. But this was interesting because what they did was they actually put a platform up in the stands at one end of the stands and they put a whole bunch of targets down on the ice. And this platform was like 30 feet above the ice. And the different participants went up there and they had seven shots that they could take. And it's kind of like a, uh, a carnival game almost, if you will, where they had to try to hit the puck into these different targets to score different points. And uh, the, the one that I watched earlier today was uh, one that was happening in the city of St. Louis, which if you've ever heard of the city of St. Louis, they have a huge, what's called a gateway arch because St. Louis was considered kind of the gateway to the West as the United States began to expand westward in the 1800s. So they've got this significant arch right by the Mississippi River. And they had this arch with a target inside of it that was worth 10 points. And they had other ones that were worth two points and four and five points. And uh, it was just fun to see those players trying to hit those shots into these different targets. And it was certainly not an easy thing to do. They also had a uh, save streak competition where they had the goalkeepers trying to stop as many shots as shots in a row as they possibly could. And as I mentioned, the hardest shot, shot competition as well. So a lot of things going on there. Now, the NFL, they do a couple of things. They have a, uh, a dodgeball tournament, first of all. So if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. They have a precision passing competition where the quarterbacks that participate will try to hit moving and stationary targets for different point values. And then they have like what's called the best hands competition where receivers, running backs, tight ends, I'm assuming they might even involve defensive backs, the people in the secondary, will work at trying to make dramatic and terrific catches. Okay. Now, what is interesting about this is that in Major League Baseball, the NHL, the NBA, these events are all happening in the middle of the season. So everybody is eligible to participate. Now, some people may beg off due to an injury or something like that. Maybe they, maybe they have a hamstring injury or a sore shoulder or whatever, and they, they feel like they're not healthy enough to, to participate, and they want to take a few days off to let their body rest in order to finish out the season. That happens from time to time. But the NFL, as I'd mentioned before, they do their All-Star game, their Pro Bowl, at the end of the season, right before the Super Bowl. So in that case... The two teams that participated in the Super Bowl, for example, this year it was the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. The players on those two clubs did not participate in the Pro Bowl. They were not involved in it at all because they were preparing to play in the Super Bowl. So you had athletes from the other 30 teams in the league. Yeah, there's 32 now. You had athletes from the other 30 teams that participated in this. All right. So, you know, like I said, what is unique about these competitions is that here in the States and North America, is that the fans actually have a bit of a say-so. We have a say in who gets to participate. The fans, the, the players, and the sports writers, they all get an opportunity to vote on who they want to participate in these competitions. I remember when I was a kid, when, you know, now, nowadays a lot of it is done online, 
but they still have when you go to a a baseball game they still have these paper punch cards that the ushers that work at the stadiums hand out for you to vote on who you want to be the starter in those different positions in the American League and in the National League. So it's not just the, the people voting. So basically the, the vote of the people counts as like one-third of the vote. The players get to vote on who they believe the best players are and who should go participate. And then the sports writers, the people whose job it is is to write about and to cover baseball year-round, they get to vote as well. So basically each one of those holds about one-third of the weight, and then they determine who the starters are going to be. Now once they've determined the starters – there is then an opportunity for the the manager of the team, think senior coach, to select the reserve players, the people who are not the starters, but then also decide on who the pitchers are going to be during that game. Okay, and normally the manager of the game is, are the managers, I should say, are the managers that participated in the previous World Series. So last year it was the uh, Washington Nationals and the Houston Astros participating. And the Nationals won. So this year in the All-Star Game, if we have it because baseball hasn't started yet, the Nationals manager and the Astros manager, who is now a new, pl- a new person because their manager got fired because it turned out that the Astros were cheating for the last couple of seasons. You can read up on that if you want to because they were che- they were telling the players that were up to bat what pitches were coming and they were hitting the ball very very well in those situations. So it, in this instance though here in the here in the states and in North America, we as fans get to have a say so on who goes who gets to play in those games. So you know, I think this would be a great opportunity for supporters of the AFL to get involved. You know it could be done online, okay? And you know from what I've from what I've been able to figure out, you know, the AFL does sponsor the VFL championships at uh, Princess Park on the Sunday, the week before the grand final. But I think there's so much more that they could do besides the Brownlow vote, which is a, you know, great to see that besides the parade, which is fantastic to see that all of the events that are going on at the park outside of the MCG, I guess it's called, uh, is that Yara Park, if I'm not mistaken? Those are all great to see. But I think they could even do more to help generate more revenue. And again, I'm not trying to say that I know what's going on, that I know everything, because I don't know much of anything. But uh, I, I, I think that this would be a way for the AFL to help generate some more revenue. Now, I have to readily admit here as I'm going on, I've never been to Melbourne before. But if you listen to last week's episode... I think I did a pretty decent job establishing that uh, I'm pretty good at finding my way around on Google Earth. In fact, I'm probably better at it than some people. So based upon what that I, what I've seen uh, around Marvel Stadium, there's not a whole lot of open space other than Docklands Park, which looks to be rather small and it's rather limited. There's not a lot of space there. Now, as I mentioned, Yar Park, just by the MCG, it appears that that is much larger open space and from what I've been able to gather a lot of that area is used for events leading up to the grand final since it's right by the MCG so I think that the the league could be well served by having some additional activities happen either at the MCG or possibly even at Marvel Stadium 
during the course of the week. Now, again, these events, you know, that are not directly tied to the MCG, that are not directly tied to the grand final, you know, the participating teams. So last year, GWS and Richmond, they theoretically, theoretically could be held elsewhere. Now, this would run into some tradition issues, of course, because with the Brownlow be, being awarded on that Monday before the uh, grand final, you know, I might be touching the third rail of uh, of tradition here, but could the Brownlow be awarded after the grand final? I, I'm asking. I'm not saying that it has to be at all, but as far as just generating more money, maybe this would work out a little bit better. Uh, but you, I think you could even you know, leave it there if they decided to do all of the festivities in Melbourne. But theoretically, they could rotate this all-star game, if you will. And they could ha- they could rotate it between Optus Stadium and the Adelaide Oval and then on to Metricon and the Sydney Cricket Ground and to GMBHA Stadium, which is, you know, again, not terribly large in terms of seating capacity. But from what I've heard, they're looking at expanding that. But it, it, you know, it could rotate between those five or six stadiums over the course of a half dozen years. So while the grand final is happening, there could be a whole series of events and games that take place at Marvel Stadium or somewhere else around the country. Now, who would participate? Well, if, you're, if your team is playing in the grand final, you're exempt. You're not going to be participating. So if during the course of the season they set up something where Fans can go on to the afl.com.au site and vote for the players that they want to see playing in the All-Star game. And this doesn't have to be a State of Origin game necessarily. Okay, I'll get to that in a moment, but it doesn't have to be State of Origin. It could be, but it doesn't have to be. But this would give the fans, you know, if they did something similar to what Major League Baseball does here in North America, where the fans got a third of the vote, the players got a third of the vote, and the media got a third of the vote. And they combined those together to determine who the starters were going to be. Now, of course, once those those votes were tallied, you know, if it's Richmond and GWS playing in the finals, those Giants and Tigers players are going to come off of that list and it's going to, you know, everything everybody's going to slide up a little bit. So you might have a couple people that would end up in there that previously would not have been. So, like I said, you're going to have players from the other 16 clubs that would be eligible to do this. And this, like I said, this All-Star game could be set up as a state of origin game. But it could also be set up in any number of different ways. It could be set up as Victorian clubs versus non-Victorian clubs. So, Gold Coast, Brisbane, Adelaide, Port, and... uh, Fremantle and West Coast all get together to make up one club and the other clubs in Victoria and Sydney and uh, GWS, depending on who's playing in the finals, would be part of the uh, the non-Victorian club. And then you'd have the other clubs that are that are in Victoria. Not saying it has to be that, but that would be an option. You could also have it set up where, let's say we look at the final ladder at the end of the season and we get to the to the grand final, we know who's going to play in the final. And let's say it's the teams that are at the top, numbers one and two. So you could also break it down by, for example, you know, team A would get team three on the ladder. Team B would get numbers four and five. Team A would get six and seven. Team B gets eight and nine. 
Team A would get 10 and 11 and so on until you filled out the roster with the other 16 teams where you ha- where it wasn't just all the even number teams or all the you know and the all the odd number teams or you tried to have it balanced in a, you know in a way in terms of how they finished on the ladder. Okay, like I said, this would be something where the you know the uh, the voters would be us. The voters would be the media. The voters would be the players. Maybe even the coaches could participate in the voting as well. Okay. And it wouldn't even have to necessarily be any of those ways that I've discussed either. The NBA did something interesting this year. And I know the NBA is pretty big in Australia, but you know, they had uh, two different teams, if I'm not mistaken, you had team LeBron and team Giannis the the player from uh, Greece that plays for Milwaukee, and they drafted their own teams. They said, "Okay, well, here's who's play, here's who's going to be at the game. I have the first pick. I'm going to pick that player over there. I'm going to pick player X. I'm going to pick player Y. I'm going to pick player Z for my team, etc." Until you created your teams, it was a unique way to do it because it, you know during my whole lifetime, until just recently, it was the Western Conference versus the Eastern Conference. They've kind of, you know, shifted it up to make it more interesting because, again, it's all about the television revenue because they can have an entire evening of television where that draft is taking place. Think about the the grandeur, if you will, and how exciting it would be to watch that sort of a draft on on Fox Footy where, you know, you had the, the Fox Footy hosts that were there as, let's just toss a couple names out there. Let's just say that... Uh, Richmond and Geelong are not in the finals. And let's say that they decide to make uh, Dusty Mart and Patty Dangerfield the captains on the two teams. And Dusty and, and Dangerfield get to select the players that they want to be on their clubs. That would make for very exciting television. Okay, maybe not exciting, but at least entertaining television. Because, you know, Dusty would have some answering to do if he, lives Jack, if he leaves Jack Rewald on the sideline and doesn't pick him for his team. And... Patty Dangerfield would have to explain to Joel Selwood why he left his team captain on the side and didn't draft him and add him to the team. So some of these things can be spent, you know, and spread out over the the course of several days. Okay, because again, as I'd mentioned before, that Sunday before the grand final, from everything that I have read, the VFL Women's and Men's Championship Games are taking place at Princess Park. They could still be held there, but you could move them to Marvel Stadium if you wanted to as well along with several other events. And maybe at this point in time, you, know, you keep the brown low where it is. If the game is staying in, if this, these, I'm sorry, these events are staying in Melbourne. So maybe on the Wednesday and Thursday after the brown low award, we have a whole new series of competitions that take place at Marvel stadium or at the MCG, if they wanted to do it. Now, you know, the NFL, for example, they they play the Pro Bowl at a completely different location from the Super Bowl because the the league spends several weeks getting the, the field ready at the Super Bowl, getting the, the end zones painted, that type of thing, getting all of the advertising and that sort of thing painted on the field to make sure the field looks perfect for the game. So I believe last year the the... Pro Bowl game was played in Orlando, Florida. But some of the things that they could possibly do, and I'm just tossing these out, and maybe you would have some good ideas on some competitions that they could do. These are ones that I came up with 
from my four years of watching footy. I thought there could be some sort of a, a handball comp- competition. Who's the best person that's there in terms of uh, effectively using the handball? You know, where players would have to hit a, you know, a stationary target or hit a moving target to earn points for doing that. Okay, to where, you know, if that person's, you know, standing in one position, or if they're running and they would have to hit that target to generate points. And there, and there would be money that could possibly be raised for charity as a result of this sort of thing. You could have some sort of a competition dealing with dribble kicks or kicking at extreme angles or even from extreme distances as well. It's, you know, the dribble kick thing could almost be like a, uh, a slam dunk competition in terms of where you could have fans or you could have judges, if you will, judging and giving a point value to how well that kick went. Okay, so a handball competition, a dribble kick competition, or an extreme angle competition in terms of kicking the ball from there. Maybe having a, a kicking accuracy competition as well, which would be very similar to the handball competition, where they would have to be able to hit a stationary or a moving target, whether they are, you know, they have just taken a mark and they're at a, you know, they're, they're taking a set shot, or whether they're on the move and kicking the ball. I mean, there are a, there are a myriad different of options or opportunities for this to work. You could possibly move that longest kick competition back into a stadium setting because, you know, I've watched it for the last couple of years and I believe that's the Yarra River that they're kicking into. I'm not for sure. I'm not positive on that. But uh, rather than holding it there, you could hold that competition in front of thousands and thousands of people at Marvel Stadium or at the MCG if they wanted to hold the uh, event there. And this is, this is another part here that I thought would be interesting. This is kind of like the NBA, what they do, and Major League Baseball does. They could have a celebrity footy game. So if you've got, you know, fans of the game who happen to be celebrities, Australian celebrities, or even, you know, celebrities you know, from somewhere else around the world, maybe Melissa Etheridge comes and wears her Carlton jersey and participates in this. But, you know, I, I see, you know, all sorts of different people who are uh, the uh, Hemsworth, uh, the actors. I don't remember who they support, but I know they're big footy fans. I know Guy Pierce is a Geelong fan. If you're listening, Mr. Pierce, I would love to have you on a guest as a guest. I, I really like your, your performances as an actor, and I just discovered that you actually are a singer as well and really like your music. So you could have a celebrity footy game. You could have an old-timers game, if you will, as well, where you have bring on players who have retired to have, you know, one last opportunity to, to wow the fans, if you will, with a, uh, with a game. Now, both of those games would probably have to be modified a bit. I don't think you're going to have the tackling that would be going on. Maybe you're just simply wrapping somebody up. So you'd have to modify the rules for those types of things. I think you would also then need to explore the possibility of actually creating a smaller oval on the field as well. Maybe maybe pinch in the, the boundaries a little bit. So you might have to actually, in, ca- in the case of the celebrity game or the old-timers game, quite possibly, you might have to install a set of temporary goalposts at each end as you've condensed the size of the field, because I don't think, you know, we want to see 
you know, a bunch of uh, people who have retired from the game 20, 25 years previously. Now, they may be in great physical shape, but they're probably not going to have the stamina to be covering 170 meters from end to end, that type of thing. So my thought was maybe you have a slightly smaller oval that they play on. But this would be, I think, extraordinarily entertaining because, again, it's something that, that people really gravitate towards here in in the States. I believe the NFL has actually had a, a celebrity flag football tournament where it's, you know, it's a regular, it's like a regular football game, but instead of tackling, they have little vinyl strips that are on a, a webbed belt that they have around their waist that are Velcroed at the top. And by removing one of those vinyl strips, that person is considered to be tackled at that point in time. So they've done that with celebrities, I believe, with the NFL as well. I'm not sure if the NHL has done a celebrity game or an old-timers game. I would imagine they've probably done you know, a game for retired players and that sort of thing just to allow some of them to come back and, and show their faces in front of the, the crowds again and to, to get that uh, adulation from the crowds. You know, something that maybe they've not had for a while. Now, again, I'm not saying I have any answers at all here. These are just some things that I was thinking about. And as I was out working in my garden and I was listening to that episode, I didn't have much to do besides digging in the dirt. And I my wheels start turning in my head. And I'm thinking to myself, well, these are possibly some ways that, that the league could also generate revenue besides growing the number of games or having teams play one another more than twice during the season. Now, and what, again, one thing before we go, yeah, you know, one of the other things that they were talking about is that they, they basically said that there was no reason for, you know, as much as people want to complain, and I do this as well because I made a joke about it earlier about Collingwood, you know, coming and playing a practice game down in Geelong. You know, the argument was made that teams like Collingwood and Richmond should play as often as they possibly can in Melbourne. Now, unless they're making trips to Adelaide, unless they're making trips to Perth or even to Brisbane, which has a much larger stadium than what Gold Coast happens to have, that the idea of Gold Coast, you know, hosting Richmond or Collingwood in a game didn't sit well with them because even though there may be a big draw at that stadium, it's still very limited in terms of the seating capacity. You might only have 25,000 there as opposed to being able to put 85,000 or 90,000 in the stands for a game at the MCG. So just some things to think about. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. If you think I'm, you know, out of my mind, get in line. There are lots of people that think that already, but shoot me an email at a yank on the footy at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Reach out to me on Twitter at yank underscore on. If you have some ideas for some different competitions that could take place during this all-star weekend, if you will, I'd love to hear them. I'll, I'll mention them in a subsequent episode. I would, I would love to have more opportunities to see more footy. And if, if the game comes back next month, I'm extraordinarily excited about that. I can't wait to watch footy again. I, I posted something on my Facebook page the other day that said something to the effect that, uh, you know, yeah, don't mind me. I just can't wait for football season to come back. 
Well, all of my friends here in the U.S. are going, amen to that. I, I agree with you. And I'm thinking to myself, we're talking about two different games here, folks. Sure, I want to see the Cleveland Browns be very successful this year, but I'm talking about getting footy going again in Australia. That's what I can't wait for. In fact, I just made a couple of uh, purchases on Amazon this week. Um, nothing major, but uh, I'll put pictures of them up in the show notes once these things arrive. But a few new bumper stickers for my car. Um, I actually found a bumper sticker with the AFL logo. So I, uh, I'm going to be putting that on my rear window of my car once the weather warms up and I can get the windows cleaned off. But I, uh, I hope you, you at least found my, my thoughts here, my ideas, a little bit thought-provoking. Again, I'm not saying that I have the right answers by any stretch of the imagination. Please, you know, if I'm, if I'm wrong, tell me. If you think I'm on the right track, I'd love to hear that as well. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this episode for right now. I've got several interviews in the fire right now, I uh, I have several folks that I've gotten commitments from. I have to reach out to them and hopefully going to sit down with them this week and get those interviews going. I'm going to try to pace myself. I uh, I had a big month in May. I'm sorry, in April, where I had almost 1,200 downloads for the month. This month, I've only got about 150 for the month, and I realize that I've only put out one episode this month. But it's been kind of a, a down month, so hopefully uh, that'll tick back up a little bit. But uh, ladies and gents, I appreciate you listening. And don't forget that while you can find all the episodes for this podcast at uh, yankonthefooty.podbean.com, you can also find it on your favorite podcast provider. Now that you've listened, I'd love if you'd consider giving me a review on Apple Podcasts. You go to the uh, you know the Apple uh, store and you find my podcast there, give me a review. Uh, there's been a few of you have done that. I'd love to hear what you think. It lets me know what I need to work on, what I'm doing well, what I could do better. You can also tell me that uh, in an email at yankonthefooty at gmail.com or at yank underscore on on Twitter. You can also find me on Instagram and on Facebook at a yank on the footy. I'd like to thank Mr. Joseph McDade for the use of two of his great pieces of music. He creates some fantastic music, and I'm using the pieces Elevation and Winter's Mist, which if things go the way it's sounding... I may be able to put Winter's Mist away for a little while and go back to Backplate, which is a much more upbeat piece of music, and that'll be the one that we'll be using once the uh, once the uh, the games start back up. You can reach him at josephmcdade.com slash music. Again, Mr. McDade, thanks a lot for your hard work and your wonderful music. Ladies and gents, I want to thank you because while many of us are fans of our teams, deep down we're fans of a game that we all love, and that's the game of footy. And ladies and gents, it's sounding as though we might just have footy back in about a month. That doesn't mean we need, to, we need to stop being diligent. We need to continue to be diligent, protect ourselves and our families, look out for one another. I hope that you and your family stay safe. I hope that you're able to take the proper measures to protect yourselves against a virus. Be tolerant of one another. Reach out to your family members. Tell them you love them. Again, ladies and gents, I ask that you please consider sharing this podcast with your friends and family. And may your dribble kick never hit the post. I'll catch you later.
This has been episode 23 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on or at a yank on the footy at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram and on Facebook at a yank on the footy. Again, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. And please share this podcast with your friends and family. Until next time. <laughs>